Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's podcast. Please do rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Can't thank you enough for doing that. If you do it, send me a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. That's Pete, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com of your review on iTunes, and I'll send you a free koozie. It's a great deal. Appreciate it, guys, and enjoy the show. We continue on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and let's welcome in the guy who you read all the time, you follow on social media, you saw him at the Big 12 Championship game last weekend, and that is uh, Derek Duke. He's on Twitter, at DerekDuke25. You can follow him there. And, you know, Derek, you were at the Big 12 Championship game for us last week. Uh, we appreciate that. Great work out of you. Uh, give us give us some insight in the you know maybe something that we didn't see on TV for those of us that weren't there that that struck you caught you off guard or, or maybe surprised you one way or another. I think it was just the sheer amount of Texas fans that we saw in that game. If you look at it, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be more Texas fans than OU fans. I didn't think it was going to be that large of a margin. I thought it would be maybe you know sixty, you know forty, sixty, whatever it may be. But it looked like it was 80-20 in favor of Texas when I actually got inside the stadium um, and started walking around a bit. And even when I got my seat up in the press box, I'm just kind of looking at the crowd. You know, even at the very tip top of it, obviously it was sold out, had over 83,000 people there. Um, just by the sheer looks of it, I mean, there were there was burnt orange, I mean, absolutely everywhere. Now, there were some, some uh, crimson pockets in there. And I'll give credit. I'll give the Oklahoma fans credit. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of them there. And but for the ones that were there, they were absolutely loud. I thought they did a great job, uh, you know, cheering on their team, making some noise as well. So just on both sides, the atmosphere, it, it was totally different than what would be normally be at the Cotton Bowl uh, there at the fairgrounds. So this is a little bit different venue. Obviously, Jerry World, uh, a lot more money put into the stadium, obviously. But you look around, it, it was just a great atmosphere. And you couldn't really ask for a better a game atmosphere than, you know, especially those two teams, the rivalry. And to top it all off, it's for the Big 12 championship, so it doesn't really get any bigger than this uh, from a Big 12 perspective. Yeah, I know, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it that that's interesting because that was not evident to me, you know, on TV. As as I mentioned last week in the podcast, you know, my wife's doing a week and a half, so I said, you know what, I probably shouldn't go down there this year. I trust Derek; he can take the reins, he can take care of it. So uh, you did a great job, and you were on the field, of course, after as well. Uh, you were following the team and whatnot. You know, you and I were on the field together last year. How uh, was there a feeling when you've won four of these in a row? I know it's a different group of guys, but did you get a feeling that this one was as sweet as last year? Or was there maybe a little more nerves to it? Because last year we knew if they won that game against TCU, they'd be in the college football playoff. We were not sure what was going to happen when that game ended. So how was that vibe different on the field? I actually think it was they were more excited this year from what I saw last year. Last year they already beaten TCU once. They obviously play them again, and I don't, I don't think there was any doubt in anybody's mind last season that Oklahoma was going to win that game. Yeah, I, I think out. everybody felt I think everybody felt like they had it in the bag, and they certainly did when the game played out. But this season, you know, they lose to Texas. That's their only loss of the year, and it was a three point it was a three point loss. It was a close game. You know, it's a rivalry game, so. Just all those factors that go into into it, they're able to avenge their loss to their rival Texas, and, and for the Big Twelve championship, 
So I just felt like it was a much bigger deal. You know, obviously when I got on the field, uh, everybody was excited. If When the final whistle blew, guys are running down. You know, everybody's running. I'm trying to get on the field as fast as I can and, and keep up with everybody else. But you look around, all the Oklahoma players, they're jumping up and down. They're Obviously, they're doing the horns down because, you know, they couldn't really do it during the game. But so just the excitement that they saw, and I think some of the seniors on that team realized what they had done at that point. Guys who have been there up to this point, four years, you just mentioned it, four Big 12 championships. They, they finished their career winning a Big 12 title every year that they've been in Oklahoma. I think that is a very, very big deal. And it's never been done in the history of the Big 12 Conference. You know, it has never been done. So this is the first time a team has won four straight uh, conference championships. Derek Dukes joining us. Of course, you read him, you hear him, and uh, all over the site did a great job covering the Big 12 championship game for us last weekend. All right, Derek, you know, Sunday morning, sweating it out. We're waiting to see. Is it going to be OU? Is it going to be Georgia? I don't think Ohio State was ever in the conversation. Uh, you know, I probably felt 60-40 like OU was going to get it, maybe 65-35. How confident were you Sunday morning OU was making this thing? I think I was set at about probably 60-40. I thought Oklahoma had a, a better chance than what maybe half, but looking into it after the game, it was funny. Nobody was talking about Georgia-Alabama. It was almost immediately thought that, if Alabama beat Georgia, that was the end of Georgia, no matter how that win looked like or anything like that. Everybody that I talked to was more worried about the Ohio State game. You know, they were always concerned with Ohio State. Everybody was going to keep an eye on that game because everybody in that media room, we thought that was going to be the biggest threat to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I think even some of the Oklahoma players felt the same way uh, in the post game. So you look at it, and then all of a sudden, the Georgia-Alabama game becomes close, and, you know, we're not going to get into that too much, but, you know, Kirby Smart, Pull the Kirby. I mean, he just blew it, flat out blew it. Yep. And so you look at that and what the committee. And to me, the surprising thing for me is just how many people, how many of those talking heads on ESPN were actually bringing up the fact oh. that Georgia belongs in. And even after the game, uh, the Georgia and Alabama game that night, you had you don't know, have the broadcaster saying that Georgia is the best one of the best fourteen, one of the best four teams, and that they belong in, whether they lost or not, they belonged in. And you know, as much as I disagree with it. I was just astounded by how many of the, the broadcasters and people that work in the media that were basically clamoring for Georgia to be in the playoff, even though they did not win their conference and they have two losses on the season. So it's just it just baffles me. It's still it's still a head scratcher. I'm still not sure what what to make of it, but I'm glad the committee finally got it right. Yeah, I uh, you know I, I spent enough time on this show just crushing the committee for the fact not the committee the uh, the the Kirk Kerb, Kerb Street and those guys Paul Feinbaum I know it was shocking to see Paul Feinbaum on there vouching to get in two SEC teams total stunner out of him uh, <laughs> that really caught us off guard so yeah that was uh, they got it right you know Derek I look at this and I say all right you have Oklahoma taking on Alabama you got Texas facing Georgia um, the argument I was making earlier is that. Every Big 12 fan should be rooting for both of these teams. An OU fan should be rooting for Texas. Texas fans should be rooting for Oklahoma. Because if you can slay these two massive SEC giants or at least keep it close, you know, the credibility for the Big 12 just continues to rise. Absolutely. You're, you're talking about the two best teams from the SEC, and you're talking about the two best teams from the Big 12. It doesn't get much bigger than this, and guess what? They're matched up together in bowl games. 
So absolutely, I think this this is huge for the conference. If, if Oklahoma is able to win, or if, even if they split it, I still think that'd be a great win for the conference. If, whether it's Oklahoma beating Alabama or Texas beating Georgia, I think this is definitely time to, for a Big Twelve to make a statement. They have a great opportunity. The whole country is going to be watching. Texas is going to be on on New Year's Day, and Oklahoma obviously in the college football playoffs. So there's going to be a ton of eyes on that game. So it's huge from that standpoint. Conference reception in, in, in this business is huge. Uh, even if you look at the playoff committee, I believe you know it's going to carry some weight into it as well. Maybe going into next season, maybe you have guys that respect uh, the Big 12 more coming into next season uh, than you would uh, maybe coming into a season like this or previous years. So it is definitely, definitely huge for conference perception uh, to, to do well in bowl season. I think the Big 12 always does a great job in the bowl season. I think they're always, they always put on a really good show. They always have a good record during bowl season. But to make a statement like this against two of the top SEC teams in the country, I mean, that, that you're, you couldn't ask for uh, any better, uh, better stage for it. Derek, what, uh, what would you say? Derek Duke, our own HeartlandCollegeSports.com, is joining us here. I'd be curious to, to know from you, uh, I think our answers will be different just because of what my answer is, at least. Uh, we know the top two bowl games. We just talked about them for the Big 12, OU and Texas and the respective Orange Bowls and Sugar Bowls. After that, what do you think is the most intriguing bowl game for this conference in this cycle? Well, as you know, I can never just pick one thing, so I'm going to have to I'm going to have to double down here and pick okay. two games. So Fair, fine. the first one, the first the first, <laughs> the first one I'm going to go with is is I'm here in San Antonio. I always have to go with the Alamo Bowl. It's kind of the hometown bowl thing. So and the fact that we get to see Mike Leach back, you know, here close, I get to see him again. That's going to be great uh, in Washington State and Iowa State uh, kicking things off here at the Alamo Bowl on December 28th. I think you got a great program in Iowa State. Matt Campbell is one of the best young coaches in the entire country, one of the best coaches in the Big 12, obviously. The way he's got that program set up, this is probably their best. I can't remember the last time Iowa State went to a bowl as prestigious as this. I, you know, it slips in my mind, but I'm sure it's been a while for Iowa State. And to go against a team like Washington State, led by Mike Leach, you know, former Texas Tech head coach, I think that's a great matchup. You know, and just to mention, Mike Leach is coming. I mean, what more could he ask for uh, in a bowl game as well? And then I also look at the Liberty Bowl, uh, Oklahoma State playing Missouri. Obviously, Missouri was a former Big 12 Conference foe for the Cowboys. I'm curious to see what Oklahoma State looks like in this bowl game. Are they going to just roll over and lay down because they had a 6-6 six and six season? Or are they going to try to end their season you know, with a winning record? So I think that's going to be huge uh, for Mike Gundy's team. Yeah, okay. So you picked one of them. You know, I was just looking at this, too. It looks like probably the, the biggest bowl game that Iowa State has been in. This is probably their biggest bowl game since, I'd probably say, the Insight.com Bowl back in 2000. Uh, they finished nine and three that year. They beat Pittsburgh. So that's probably the. This is probably the biggest bowl game in 18 years for Iowa State. So uh, you tell your friends down in San, San Antonio to make sure they pack up enough bush light for these Cyclones fans. All right. Absolutely, I definitely will. Yeah, I mean that's we know that's important to those guys after what they did in Memphis last year. So mine was mine was your second one actually, Oklahoma State and and, uh, and Missouri, just because I looked at it and said, all right, we got another Big Twelve SEC matchup. Missouri's a team that interestingly enough it beat Florida this year. I mean, you know, Florida was one of those overrated SEC teams that you know got ranked higher than it probably should have been. They got Drew Locke at quarterback. You know, if if Oklahoma State shows up. Uh, it's a good game. They can win it. But that's the thing, Derek. You know, this is this has been a weird year for Oklahoma State. Like, they don't play Spencer Sanders at all this season. 
they don't play really Drew Brown. It, it's just Taylor Cornelius. It just felt like a throwaway year in a lot of ways. I didn't understand it. You lose to Kansas State by 19, and then you beat Texas and West Virginia. I couldn't figure this team out. I still can't figure this team out. I don't even think Mike Gundy has this team yeah, figured out. Yeah, that's true. So the good thing for the Cowboys is the Missouri Tigers, they are ranked in the, in the college football rankings. They're at number 23. So maybe, just maybe, the Cowboys will be able to get up for that game just because it's a ranked team. We know they love to get up for these big, big games against ranked teams. So maybe they show up. But like you just said, if they don't show up, I think it could get very ugly. Missouri has a great quarterback in Drew Locke. And with Oklahoma State's defense, I'm not even sure what to make of them right now. They they just had a really, really bad year this season. And there's just no excuse for that kind of what, what they were putting out on the field there. So if they don't show up, Drew Locke could obviously beat him, definitely beat him with his arm, and it could get ugly in a hurry. But if Oklahoma does, Oklahoma State does show up, then I believe they could be competitive in this game. And I could make an argument that they probably win this game. Yeah, I, I think you could definitely make that case, you know, if we uh, if we get that far along. I, I'm all on board there, no doubt about it. Derek Duke, HeartlandCollegeSports.com is joining us. Uh, Derek, Bill Snyder uh, retires. It, it just felt weird to me, you know. He, he didn't have any comment or quote in the press release. It came a few days after it was supposed to happen. I what do you think? I mean, I don't think he wanted to retire. I got to be honest. And I think he's, I think unfortunately this thing ended awkwardly and it did not end as smoothly as it could have ended and should have ended based on the success this guy's had. I thought the timing of the retirement was kind of strange. I actually expected the t- retirement much earlier. I think the, the week before, because I had a, I had a lot of, a lot of talk, people talking about, Oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the day he retires. You know, this is this is the day. This is going to be it. But it just never happened. And then finally, it kind of felt like it was kind of just really random last week that that it happened. I was surprised. I was shocked to see it because for a while there, I was thinking in the back of my mind, like I think he really wants to stay another year. Yeah. And if you look at the way the team played in the first half of the season and the second half. There's no doubt that the second half team for the second half of that schedule was much better for Kansas State, and they played like a completely different ball team than they did in the first half of the year. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it, it was almost night and day difference on both sides of the ball for Kansas State. But the timing was strange. But I think you had to do what you had to do here with the early signing period coming up. You got to do something. You don't want to be making all these coaching moves uh, after the early signing day or right before it because it could just definitely just destroy a whole recruiting class. And for Kansas State, that is absolutely crucial right now. They already they don't recruit at a very high level as it is. So if it gets any worse than them, you're almost just a year behind for the next guy coming in. So I think that was huge from that standpoint to get this taken care of rather quickly. Uh, I, w- I would have liked to have seen it a little bit quicker, but, you know, in the end it did happen. So, I mean, like, I don't really have any complaints about it. But just reflecting on Bill Snyder a bit, you know, he won 215 games at Kansas State. His, his name is on the stadium. I mean, what more can you ask for from this guy? He brought you two Big 12 championships. I, I'm not sure if Kansas State's ever going to get to where they were under Schneider, but there's no doubt that, you know, he left, definitely made an impact on that program for, for many, many years to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing for you here, Derek. I want to ask you to get your thoughts on um, Matt Wells. I mean, he's not a guy we know a lot about. I, I, the way I put it was this. 
he's not a hire that's going to, you know, make the fan base go rah-rah and buy up all the season tickets, but I'm going to give Kirby Hocutt the benefit of the doubt based on what he's done with that baseball and basketball program. Yeah, you know, Kirby Kirby Hocutt had a had a lot a lot of all on his plate there because you talked about the fans and everything like that. You look at social media, probably not a good idea for Kirby Hocutt to look at a social media, but just the, the people clamoring for Cliff, you know, it was almost just a split. You know, some people wanted Cliff to come back. They felt like he could turn around the program, and others were done with him years ago. So it was almost like a split between the fan base. You know, obviously they have, they've had some attendance issues over the last few years from them not winning football games. But when it comes down to it, Kirby Hocutt had to make a decision. I thought it was the right decision. Uh, Texas Tech, you know, not making a bowl at two out of the last three years, I, I think that's unacceptable. Uh, for Texas Tech, so I, I really like the move. Matt Wells, yeah, he's an interesting guy, and you know his what he's done at Utah State, I think, has been miraculous. I think he really turned that program around, kept it in good shape. That you know they had a great season this past year, so no no complaints there. But it's going to be very interesting to see the fit from going in that conference to the big uh, to the Big Twelve. Though he went from the Mountain West Conference now to the Big Twelve. Just to see that fit is going to be very, very interesting. Lubbock's a very unique place, as we all know. Uh, it's a little bit harder to get guys out there. But, you know, if he could do it at Utah State, I think he can get the job done out in Lubbock. No doubt about it. Well, he's Derek Duke. You read him all the time at heartlandcollegesports.com. Uh, the mailbag, the good, bad, the ugly, uh, he's all over the place. And, uh, Derek, we appreciate, uh, appreciate you hopping on and giving us a few minutes and giving us some of your uh, opinions. Absolutely, Pete. I appreciate you having me on the show. And we appreciate Derek's time here on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Once again, guys, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and send me a screenshot, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I will get you the free koozie in the mail. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, and we'll talk to you guys soon.